Please be advised that this episode contains spoilers for Heir of Fire and all previous books in the Throne of Glass series, including The Assassin's Blade. Listener discretion is advised. If you are interested in a non-spoilers discussion about Heir of Fire, feel free to check out last week's episode where we discuss mental health, the varying perspectives and setting of the story, and more. This is part two of a two-part series. Hi, and thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your host, Jacqueline. You're listening to the first season of Perfectionist. So welcome back. Last episode, we had started with part one, heavy spoilers of Air of Fire, and today we are doing part two. So if you haven't listened to part one, we highly recommend that you go back and have a listen to part one uh, to get filled in before you proceed with listening to part two. We are going to be doing the same formula we did last episode, which is rather than going through the book in the order that the book is in, we're going to go through the perspectives uh each each perspective through the book and then we'll go back to the beginning to a different perspective so first we're going to do selena's perspective and then um adion kaol and uh murtog and rent and back in rift hold and then we're gonna go ahead and uh, jump on over to men on blackbeak's perspective but we're gonna start with selena so back at mistward everyone's getting really excited to celebrate something called beltane so uh, Selena has been tasked with maintaining the bonfires throughout the festivities with her magic. So mm-hmm. in the part one of the book, she actually made giant strides towards controlling her her fire magic. Um, and so Rowan wants her to practice uh, gaining even more control. And she's, I think... Actually, it seems to me she's um, a little nervous about this and she she doesn't get to kind of celebrate the festivities at Beltane because she's focusing so much on um, controlling her magic so her fire doesn't hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I kind of feel bad for her because I think that, you know, we know she likes a good party. And so to be at the party, but like working the whole time. And near the end, she's like getting really hungry. And she's like, can I have a break? I need some food. Yeah. And it's like, no, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, she keeps going. And there's, uh, if I recall correctly, there's music at Beltane. Mm-hmm. And music has always, we've mentioned this in previous episodes, music really speaks to Selena. Um, it really uh, ignites something within her. Mm-hmm. And so she ends up kind of like getting into this almost trance-like state. And she ends up experiencing something called burnout with the magic. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like when you've dug deep in, into yourself and you're giving it everything you have, then you can experience this thing called burnout. And it's very, very dangerous for them. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, it ends up being like life-threateningly dangerous mm-hmm. for Selena and Rowan recognizes what's happening to her because she's never experienced this before. She doesn't really, she's still learning about like how to use magic in general. Mm-hmm. And so he ends up kind of taking care of her a little bit and sees what's going on. So he like rushes her back to the fortress and like is trying to cool her down because she has fire magic. So I don't know if this burnout is specific to her 
because she has fire magic, but she's basically cooking herself. She's burning herself yeah, on the inside so out. Exactly. You make a really good point there about whether the burnout is experienced differently by other fae or magic users. Mm-hmm. We don't know that yet. But yeah. as you said, for Selena, she's cooking herself, which is mm-hmm. pretty alarming. So Rowan, uh, he's giving her ice baths, which he can do to cool her down. And during this moment is when he discovers the scars on her back from when she was in the salt mines and being whipped and stuff. Yeah. And this is such a pivotal moment in their relationship because Rowan thinks back to the insults he was saying to her at the very beginning, how we were talking about he was being so nasty and saying the most brutal things to her. And he sees that. And at one point, we didn't mention it earlier because we didn't want to like wreck the impact of this moment. But at one point he actually tells her he's going to whip her because she wasn't doing what he wanted her to be doing. And he like feels how absolutely horrific that was now that he sees the scars on her. And he's like, I cannot believe I treated her that way. And it's like this huge shift. It was very satisfying. I found for him to see that she is not this pampered, spoiled brat that he thought that she was. She has mm-hmm. been through stuff and she has physical evidence on her that her life, she's seen some horrific things. Yeah. And I think she like explains a little bit about how she got it. And over the next little bit, they kind of get closer and closer as he, in his fey male state, has said, like, you're going to move into my rooms now. So previously she was sleeping in like this very, very tiny, like one little bedroom room that was not like very nice. It was cold and very low accommodations where he has like a decent room with like a nice comfy bed and like a fireplace. And like, it's pretty nice setup. And so he's like, you're moving in with me. I'm taking care of you. And it's not like a romantic situation. It's very much a, I'm taking care of you. And it seems to be ingrained in him as a fae to like care for the women in his life. So the fae in this world, uh, the males specifically, um, they are very possessive and they have really strong protective instincts. Um, Mm -hmm. As it even says, it even mentions in the book, like it's, it's this, this territorial possessive need to protect like that. It's a male's duty and his honor to Mm -hmm. protect (laughs) so that rears its head there and he's like not giving her any leeway like you're moving into my rooms i'll be protecting you so yeah that was a huge pivotal moment for their relationship because he was treating her like garbage pretty much um although it was better i think after the skinwalker um experience it wasn't quite as bad as before but but this really turned the tides because he he had definitely made this assumption she was kind of like a pampered, spoiled, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think at this point you could say they have a friendship developing. Like they're not best of buds, but they have like a level of respect for each other and a solid relationship, friendship building. Yes. Yeah. And Selena is like really focused on her training and she wants to like show herself getting better. So she actually starts like sneaking out really early in the morning and practicing. There's like this safe zone just outside the fortress, like surrounded by these specific rocks or stones that kind of 
house magic they so that she can practice there safely. So she keeps kind of sneaking out and is being practicing. And she's learning some really cool magic where she's like using her fire to create like shields and swords. So she's mm-hmm. like turning her magic weapon into like more of a like physical weapon. And I yeah. think that visual is so cool. It is very cool visual. I would love to see it in um like on screen. <laughs> I think it would be mm-hmm. really cool. They could there's a lot of potential there. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. she's she's doing that, and it's nice to see her have a desire to do something again. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. she was in a pretty sad state of affairs before. So meanwhile, there's still that monster going around killing those demi-fae and draining their blood. So Selena and Rowan have, have been investigating the circumstances that have been reported. And they end up uh, coming across a host of Adderlin soldiers... And among the soldiers were three creatures. Um, And it turns out these creatures were the monsters that they've been looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the monsters, I don't know if we mentioned the monsters that were killing the Demi-Fae, they kind of like drain the body. So they turn them into like husks. And yeah, so that was kind of like, they knew it wasn't the skinwalkers because of the state of the bodies that Mm -hmm. they were found. Because originally they're like, oh, are the skinwalkers doing this? And it's like, no the way that the skinwalkers kind of destroy their enemies is very different than this creature. Yeah. And it turns out. Rowan was a bit flummoxed about what could be doing it, which is Mm -hmm. saying something because he's so old and experienced. So old. (laughs) Sounds bad. Well, I mean, it does sound bad, but it's true. He's several hundred years years old. old, And and Selena's like a baby in comparison, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, if I was in Selena's shoes, I'd be like, how do you not know what's doing this? What, you've never seen this before? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a bit shocking. Yeah. And another kind of shocking thing is the fact that there are the soldiers there because they shouldn't be able to get on, like, um, the coastline of Wendelin is very rocky. So there's kind of only specific areas that ships can go into, and you have to be quite specific about how you navigate that. So it's very unexpected that this group of soldiers is there. Yeah, it's very strange. Suspicious circumstances. So Rowan informs Selena that the king of Adderlin has sent legions to kill all the slaves at Calacula and mm-hmm. Endovier. And I apologize if I'm getting the pronunciations wrong. Um, <laughs> just a quick aside. Um I don't know if you've seen all the memes on like TikTok and Instagram and all the social media sites about people and how they pronounce fantasy names in their heads. We're the same and we do look up the pronunciations, <laughs> but, we but there's a lot, there's a, yeah, we do try. We promise we try, but there is a lot of like times where it's like, it's pronounced this way and other websites say, no, it's pronounced this way. Yeah. So we're doing our best. And if anybody knows the actual correct pronunciations, please let us know. We'd be happy to know. Um, <laughs> it does feel kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I'm really sticking my neck out there when I say these names. I'm like, oh my God, did I say it right? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, because <laughs> in my head when I'm reading it, sometimes it's not the correct pronunciation, but anyway. Um, but anyway, so this is this is quite alarming, obviously. Um, because slaves mm-hmm. are pretty much innocent people. And Selena, this is very, very close to her heart since she did spend all that time at Ndovier. Yeah, no, this was heartbreaking on so many levels. And I think we even get like a scene 
where we get the perspective of one of the slaves. And it was a very powerful chapter where you actually see their perspective and really heartbreaking. Yeah. But when Selena and Rowan see the soldiers, they actually kind of go and investigate a little bit. Like Selena's all like, let's go take them out. And Rowan's like, whoa, 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 let's just investigate. So he flies down because I don't know if we mentioned this, but we said that they can shift and Rowan can shift into a bird. Mm -hmm. And so he shifts into his bird form and flies into the, into a cave that the soldiers are kind of surrounded. And that's how he figures out that these are the creatures who are harming the demi-fae because there's a demi-fae in there who is being tortured in that moment. And so like Selena, like everything that's gone on with her, she's all fired up. Like this thing has just happened with the slaves. So like, she's ready to just attack and, He's kind of like, no, we have to like gather our forces. Like this is more than we can take on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So they end up heading back despite both of them Mm -hmm. being like heartbroken by what was happening in that moment and kind of rallying the troops because they know, they know that they're coming for the fortress because that's where all the Demi-Fey live and they're seeking out Demi-Fey. So like Mm -hmm. they're going to come for us. This is clearly the plan. We need to get ready. Yeah. There isn't much time. No. Because it, the the moment between discovery and the actual attack is not <laughs> very large. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the attack comes and Selena, she's so self-sacrificing. She mm-hmm. has this powerful magic. And there is um there's a ward around Mistward. So um, th- there's a certain amount of protection there. But she decides to go outside of that magical protection so she can use like protect protect the magical barrier and mm-hmm. she decides to use her magic to fight off these creatures yeah so they did try and get like support from Wendelin and Rowan also sent word to his cadre is that what they're called yeah cadre cadre yeah, his like group of friends that are all aligned his with Maeve. Buddies. So they have like potential backup coming, but then they find out Wendelin's not going to send anybody to help them. So they're on their own. So Selena's sacrificing herself essentially to protect everybody so they can get out. I think the idea is that they were going to get out through these tunnels, mm-hmm. all the demi fae, like kind of sneak the demi fae out through these tunnels. Uh, but then they end up being betrayed by one of the demi fay and so there's being attacked from the inside and attacked from the outside and selena's like doing everything she can outside the barrier mm-hmm. fighting off what we now know are valg yes the valg what a creepy uh race or whatever species mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the valg there's three of them there and mm-hmm. I believe they're all Valg princes, aren't they? I believe so. And well, there's the three Valg princes. And then there is also the kind of leader yes. of the army yes. who is yeah. also possessed by a Valg. Yes. Yes. So she's kind of surrounded by these Valg and they envelop Selena with their darkness, their dark power. Um, and it kind of reminds me of actually something in Harry Potter 
um, the, uh, the Bogart, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I might need to double check that, but like where it makes the, the fear, the things like it's essential or the dementors. It's like, the, yeah, it's kind of like the Bogart and the dementors had a baby <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah. And um, so if you don't know what that is, basically like these creatures, they make you either ex- experience like your deepest fear or the dementors. They just suck all the joy out of everything and mm-hmm. it, it and uh, inspire hopeless, hopelessness and despair. So mm-hmm. this is kind of like what the Valk do. And so Selena kind of, she's going through all these flashbacks of like the most horrific parts of her life. Um, so she, so one of the first flashbacks she has is when actually she met Dorian when she was a child, Aelin in Terrasin. Mm-hmm. So we, we actually get to see that. And then we also get to see um, Aelin at, at dinner um, in Terrasin and the king uh, of Adderlin was there with Dorian and he got inside Aelin's head and she ended up having an outburst with her fire magic, mm-hmm. which in turn showed the king what she was capable of because they were trying to hide it as previously mentioned yeah. from everybody. So that night, the king of Terrasin and Aelin's parents were brutally murdered by assassins um, along with Marion, who was um, Aelin's mother's handmaid. And she was a very, very loyal handmaid. Mm -hmm. Um, And she died so that she could give Aelin time to run. So she made a sacrifice for Aelin. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Aelin ended up running for the river. And to my understanding, it's like, I don't know if she fell in or, I'm not too sure. But anyways, she was found by Aerobin by the river. Um, And she did have something around her neck, a necklace mm-hmm. called the amulet, amulet of Orinth. Mm-hmm. And when she awoke, it was gone. So that's important. So keep note. <laughs> yeah. And her mom had just given her the necklace. It was like a family heirloom. Yeah. Like yeah. that night she'd just gotten in. So she like was devastated that it got lost in the river as she was like floating. Yeah. that's mm. That would be devastating. But yes, that amulet just like just keep that in mind about that amulet and um because <laughs> tell you right now <laughs> in fact you don't have to keep it in your mind we'll just give it away now i think it happens later in the story but we might as well just say it now it does yeah so it, she realizes uh, after a bunch of <laughs> events and mm-hmm. thinking that the amulet is actually the third word key so she knows a robin has it she knows like she's like when i woke up he found me. Mm-hmm. He probably took the amulet, right? And he kind of rose in his assassin fame after finding her. Yeah. So it's like, hmm, why is this guy all of a sudden the king so of assassins? He was very young. Yeah. So to be so successful at such a young age, there might have been something helping him along Something the way. else at play there. <laughs> tisk tisk. Yeah, so well in the darkness, Selena kind of finds herself. So she is going through so much. Like she's reliving some of the most horrific memories she's ever experienced. I think there might have been times where she's reliving memories from even with Nehemia and Nehemia's death. And Mm -hmm. I think there's like a point where like a bunch of people are sort of like people who are no longer with her, like her past loved ones 
are surrounding her and first it seems like a positive thing. And then they kind of are like, Oh, just give up and come with us, like join us. And, but again, it's like the darkness trying to get under her skin mm-hmm. and like the most powerful moment, I think up in this series, up until now in this series happens where she kind of enters the darkness as Selena Sardothian, but something happens within the darkness where she comes face to face with herself, but not herself as Selena. She comes face to face with herself as Aelin Ash River Galathinius. And yes. just something happens in her at that moment. Yeah. It's very transformative and powerful, this part of the story. And it's extremely important because she enters the darkness as Selena, but she emerges as Aelin. So mm-hmm. she's finally accepted her true identity. Um, and that is something that she has denied and squashed down for since she was a child. Mm-hmm. So now she's going to own it, right? So meanwhile, Rowan is like, she's exhausted because this, this is, she's been going through this with the Valg, right? It's yeah. quite crazy. Like when you think about it, like we're lucky she's still alive. But I remember... In, in that part, it was like she had reached the bottom, like the very bottom. Yeah. There was no further down she could go in her despair. That was the bottom. And then she realized well, and her like, magic and her magic. Yeah. But she was like, that's it. There's like because because I think I do recall like a s- description of her falling and falling and falling. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't falling anymore. So she mm-hmm. kind of like faced everything. So although the Valg intended for it to destroy her, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it actually did the opposite. It- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it birthed something so much greater yes. than what she was before, like yeah. in regards to her power. Yes. Yes. Because she had a definitely, like, as you said in the previous episode, she had a mental block there. Um mm-hmm that was kind of removed by the Valg unintentionally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she also was like running out of her power as well. Uh, Like, cause like the well kind of talk is, is sort of like the well of herself and her having to like come face to face with that. But also she has the well of her power. Mm -hmm. And as we discovered, if she reaches burnout, that's very significant. Yes. And like, she's been fighting off Valg and like defeating them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, she, I think she had defeated like one or two of them, but she, they were still more to defeat. So Rowan's friends had come and they were kind of like holding him back because he wanted to go out and help her like pass mm-hmm. the wards. And they're like, no man, no man, we got to fight in here. And he just like pushed past and was like, no, I need to get to her. And just had that protective instinct again. And mm-hmm. then something really, really cool happens. It's like right after one big moment, we have another one. Yeah. And Rowan goes and offers her his hand to her which doesn't sound very significant, but he like cuts his hand, cuts her hands and they grip hands. And that has a very significant meaning in this story. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's called Karanam and Karanam um, refers to a bond between Faye. And when you have this bond, it allows you to share magic. And in this case, I guess, so, so he's very powerful. He's very old. Um, And so when they become Karenam like that, she can actually draw from his well of power. So this is this is massive. This is so important. It gives a huge advantage in battle. 
And it also gives them, I, I think, a way to kind of communicate more than just by speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're connected in a deeper way. And again, it's not anything romantic. It's something completely different, but it's like a soul connection. Yeah. So they end up defeating the Valk together, which is oh, sweet. So beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, I really, really liked that moment because they did it together, but he didn't like take anything away from her. No. It was still very he, much like she did he, it. I'm just here to assist. He literally held out his hand to her. And by doing that bond, it was like he was just giving her a hand. Like, mm-hmm. here, you can do yeah, this. Just lifting I'm here her to up. support you. Yeah, love it. I yeah. <laughs> love oh, it. <laughs> it was so nice. Yeah. Rowan and Aelin, at this point, mm-hmm. go to Dornell. At this point, she's proven herself. She oh, is yeah. welcome into Dornell. So they go to see Maeve and Dornell, and they want, you know, to get the information. Aelin wants to get the information that she has been working her butt off to get. They go to Dornell, they see Maeve, and Maeve tells Aelin a lot of things about the word keys. Some of it is stuff that she already knew, but she let her know that one, they cannot be destroyed. The only way to get rid of them is they need to go back into the word gate that made them. So they were made out of a word gate and they have to go back to that word gate in order to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. How to get them back in the gate that's a little trickier. Maeve doesn't say how, or it doesn't know how. Maeve also reveals that Brennan is Aelin's ancestor. And that the mm-hmm. mark that appears on Aelin's forehead, and actually appeared when she was fighting the Valg as well, that mark means something uh, in relation to Brennan's bloodline. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a nobody. He was just like a bastard child. And when Mala kind of blessed him, that mark is something now that gets passed on to his ancestors to show that they are from an unknown family. So it's mm-hmm. like, yes, they're royalty now, but they're royalty because they were blessed, not out of blood, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So this ends up leading Maeve to tell Aelin that the mark is called the nameless mark and mm-hmm. also referred to as the mark of the bastard. And it, as I mentioned, passes down from Brennan's heirs. Mm-hmm. And Maeve suspects Aelin knows where the third key is and asks her about it, but Aelin doesn't tell her. And Maeve has the cadre hold down and whip Rowan as a way to try and incentivize her to say something. And as but we know, this is a very triggering move. This is very triggering. So Aelin's like, uh-uh. And she covers the whole city in wildfire and threatens to burn it all down. Like, don't mess mm-hmm. with Aelin Galathinius. <laughs> so, yeah, very powerful move. Aelin realizes that Maeve has helped hide the word keys um, and that she wanted them for herself and that Brannon took them to Aurelia to hide them from her. Mm-hmm. So she kind of remembers... Remember that sword we talked about that she found in the cavern? I do. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. Because it's important. <laughs> <laughs> she realizes that the ring that was found with the sword must have belonged to Maeve's lover, who she'd killed. Okay? So Aileen mm-hmm. uses the ring and a vision of the potential future as a bargaining tool to have Rowan set, her, set free sorry, the blood oath he has with Maeve. 
because he he was like completely we didn't mention this before but Rowan had to do what Maeve said because he made a blood oath to serve her and so even if he didn't want to he was forced to to obey that oath interestingly like immediately after he's out of that blood oath he's free and Aelin she has a huge thing about freedom (laughs) because Mm -hmm. she's never been free herself right yeah he immediately decides to make a blood oath to Aelin and I I know she's kind of like are you sure because you just got free and he he is like like, can we talk about this in private yeah yeah But he's like, no, I'm making this blood oath. So mm-hmm. he makes a blood oath to Aelin. Yeah, there and then. Yeah. So they are connected in so many ways now, which is really, really nice. And Aelin, after they go back to Mistward, and so they have this, she sells the sword, but she gave the ring up because she noticed the significance it held for Maeve and used it as the bargaining chip. But her and Rowan get out, they're free to go back to Mistward. And she does something, you, I guess we didn't mention it, but in the description of Rowan, he has this really awesome tattoo that kind of goes from the side of his face down his body. Mm-hmm. And at some point about halfway through the book, we also see him putting a tattoo on one of his friends. So he knows the art of tattooing. And Aelin asks him to do something kind of significant, which is to cover up her scars with specific wording that represents something really meaningful to her. And so he goes and does it. And it's like a very painful process because she's fae and her scars heal when she's in her fae form. Obviously, she was in her human form when she got the original scars. But in order for the tattoo to set and not just heal over, he has to like literally put salt in her wounds. (laughs) <laughs> so that yeah. it like stays so it's like a painful process but it was like super meaningful for her to mm-hmm. take the damage that was done to her and make it into something beautiful and meaningful yeah so at the end of this book Aelin decides to return to Rifthold without Rowan um and he's very reluctant but he just he does agree to stay in Wendlin and he kind of he's like <laughs> It's just kind of funny because he's like, I'll swear this blood oath to you. And then and then she's like, I'm going to go to Rifthold without you. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Aelin ends up sailing to Rifthold and she's got like revenge on her noggin. <laughs> and uh, Aerobin, she's, she, I mean, she's got a lot to do in Rifthold when you think about it. She's mm-hmm. got a she has got to not only retrieve the amulet of Orinth from mm-hmm. Aerobin, she also needs to kill that son of a... Once and for all. Son of a... Be done with it. <laughs> Thank he you. deserves it. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I've been yeah. waiting for this revenge plot line. Oh, for so since long. Since Assassin's Blade. <laughs> I know. Yes. Oh. I just have to mention this note that you made on the outline because it's mm-hmm. perfect. Watch out, Aerobin, because karma is a fire-breathing queen. <laughs> I love that. If, you, if you've if read the novels and aren't just listening to this, but if you've actually read them, you'll understand the significance of that quote. I just yeah, that's, it, so, it fits so well. It, it, it was perfect. And I just, I just oh, needed to you. like, I just needed to like shout that out because yes. that's the end of, um, Selena slash Aelin Galathinius and Rowan's story for Air of Fire. 
we're gonna go all the way back to the beginning of part two of Verifier. And now we're gonna talk about Adian, Kaol, Ren, and Murtaugh. <laughs> it's most, mostly just like Adian, Kaol, and Dorian type perspectives. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna go and talk about what happened with them now. Mm -hmm. Which it's not a lot that happens, but it's pretty powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. Like pretty important. Yeah. So Adian, Kale, Ren, and Murtaugh. Murtaugh? Murtaugh? Yep. They all meet at a bar and they went there for a very specific purpose and they want to kind of get some information. So they set up the situation and during this meeting, what they learn is that there are three towers that were constructed by the king. There's one in Rifthold, which we have discussed in previous books. It's the clock tower. We know there's mm -hmm. something iffy going on with the clock tower. We've seen the word marks around it. We know that it's made of obsidian. And we know that it gives you very bad headaches if you get to the core of the clock tower. Mm -hmm. So we know quite a bit about it. There are another two. There are two more. We're assuming similar towers. There's one in Knoll. And there's one in Amrith. Amroth. Yeah, Amroth. And there's one and there's one in Amroth. And <laughs> if you look on the map, and as I was reading this, I remember flipping to the map. I'm like, oh, I because they first they tell you about the one, and then they tell you about the second one. And it kind of like as you're reading the chapter, you're getting more information about these three places. And I looked at the map, I'm like, I bet there's another one in, in one of the places, Knoll or whatever it was, the last one they talk about. And then sure enough, they're like, Yes, there's this third one. And it forms a triangle. Oh. So it's like there's something triangle. here. So there's a theory that these triangles, these the tower that forms a triangle, is what is blocking magic. Yes. And if that is the case, then the solution would be to knock down one of those towers and then magic would be released because the, you have to have all three of them because there's obviously some sort of you know, force between them that is creating it. Yeah. So, and I think they talk about how they remember when magic disappeared, there was like almost like a wave that hit. And yes. that was like the construction and then activation of these towers. Mm -hmm. So that is really interesting news because that means if that is true, magic can be restored. Yes. Which would be, so Which would be not good news <laughs> For the King of Adderland, especially with Aelin Galathinius deciding to come back. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> for them. Yeah. The uh, so the king ends up sum summoning Dorian, Sorsha, Kale, and Adian to the throne room, and they talk about a spy. There being a spy among them, mm -hmm. so and this is at, like, Adian, the end of the book. This is at the end of the book. Yeah. So we're like, like we say, not a lot happens. I mean, like Dorian throughout the book, like there's these romantic scenes with him and Sorsha and, and mm -hmm. the building of their relationship. Um, but nothing else really significant kind of happens. Uh, at least, mm -hmm. I mean, there's plenty of great stuff that happens. You got to read the book. But for the purpose of this episode, we're just going to discuss the most impactful things. So he, Adion decides to take the fall. Because he's a wonderful, he's actually wonderful, as it turns and, out. And I mean, he is a spy. He is. He, a, he like, totally, he totally is. He's a spy, but he's, like, he gave such an impression of such an a-hole when he first came mm -hmm. on the scene. But he's actually awesome. 
anyway, so they end up chaining him and taking him to the dungeon, but this is actually crazy what happens in this throne room. So, or thro- throne room, mm-hmm. thorn room. <laughs> uh, it's prickly in there. It's <laughs> real prickly. Throne room. So um, the king beheads Sorsha. Mm-hmm. Who was the spy that he was talking about? Yes, it turns out she's been working for the rebels this entire time. Dorian. He, this is, oh man, poor Dorian. But he ends up kind of, his powers come out. And so yeah. he he uses his powers to hold off his father while Kael gets away. And Kael goes in, he gets Fleetfoot. Thank you for remembering Fleetfoot. <laughs> Thank you. And it's they like leave through the lining. secret tunnels. It is. Like I said, I said this a few episodes ago, when we were introduced to the dog and Fleetfoot came into the picture, I was mm-hmm. like, if the dog dies... I'm done. I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna throw this book across the room. So when, when, uh, and and Sarah has not forgotten a Fleetfoot. So that's no. nice because you could just be like, but no, Kale remembers Fleetfoot and escapes with Fleetfoot through the secret mm-hmm. tunnels. Yeah, and I think that's meaningful not only because we want Fleetfoot to be okay. So for <laughs> us personally, it's meaningful, but also I think it shows how much he still cares about Aelin. Like it, it shows that he's still thinking about her because he knows that she would want Fleetfoot to be protected. Yeah, but yeah, the, a lot happened in that scene. We, Adian is now imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Dorian just saw the love of his life, or like could have been the love of his life, get beheaded. How mm-hmm. traumatic is that? No, oh my and god, that would be awful. Kale is on the run, and he revealed his magic to his father. Dorian did. <laughs> Which yeah, he's which been trying huge. to keep hidden all this time. And his father's his father wasn't surprised though. Like he was like, no. Oh, so you have it. You have it. And I think in a way the whole thing was set up to try and bait Dorian. Yeah. Because he wanted Dorian to re- like reveal his powers. Because yeah. if Dorian has powers, then the king can do something absolutely horrific. Which is put a wordstone collar on him and basically put a Valg prince inside of Dorian to control him. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned earlier the Black Rings a couple of times in a couple episodes. The Black Rings help to be controlled, but they don't make you possessed by a Valg. Or mm-hmm. if, no, they do, but it's like a lower Valg. Yeah, it's not a Valg prince. The Valg princes are much more powerful, obviously. Yeah. So you're still possessed by Valg, but it's like a lower level foot soldier Valg. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then if you have the collar, you're possessed by a Valg prince. Yeah. So this is so bad news. Is- I was actually horrified when Dorian became possessed by the Valg prince. Um, this is the worst. Like, this is like... He may as well have died, basically. <laughs> like, it was well, horrible. Because, like, yeah. right? like, as we... I guess we didn't talk about it too much in Aelin's storyline, but it kind of discusses how the Valg princes that she fought, that there was a person inside of there. And she could tell because like when she killed them, there was like a relief. Yeah. And it's like just before they died, she saw the person within and they were Mm -hmm. like, thank goodness, (laughs) you know, kind of like the creatures in the library, which are probably a similar sort of testing. Mm hmm. Not necessarily Vogue, but like something. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. But it was like a very sad way to end the story. 
Yes. It definitely made you want to pick up the next one right oh, away. Oh, well, it was. What we did. <laughs> yes, it was. But it was. It was also like, what a cluster f. Mm hmm. It was I like in, I don't know if we're really swearing one, on these. So I'm just no, like, trying, no. <laughs> Rift hold is that's she's coming back to a huge mess. Aelin mm -hmm. is. Yeah, it's like such a sad ending on the Dorian storyline, but such mm -hmm. a powerful ending on the. Aelin storyline, but we still yeah. have one more storyline to discuss. We do. Manon Blackbeak. We so, cannot forget. No, it's just we cannot. pretty much one part that's super significant. Obviously, as we mentioned before, there's a lot more little things, but the significant. I'd love to talk about all of them, but then like one book would take a week of like a week of yeah. recording all the time. Like it would just be too much. So you guys, you guys really just need to read it. But if you've read it before, these episodes can kind of serve as a nice refresher. Mm -hmm. um, if you're like, man, I remember I didn't, you know, I didn't really like that book. I just want to read this one. What happens in this book again? You can totally listen to these episodes. Give yourself a little refresher on the most important points. Mm -hmm. So we go back to the witches and it's finally time to the war for the war games. Yeah. Yeah, war games. <laughs> Witch Olympics. Yes. Yeah, and we get to see who is going to be the wing leader. Mm -hmm. So this is that's why they're doing the war games. If you don't remember, is they need to pick a wing leader, and the yes. wing leader is just going to be the person who like leads the troops. Because the point of this is they're going into battle. Yes, they're preparing for battle, and this is going to be like the person who leads the troops into battle. Because yeah. you have to have one person to command. So Manon's grandmother, the matron, the Blackbeak matron. She's incredibly furious and embarrassed by Manon <laughs> and the fact that Manon picked Abraxas as her mount. Yeah. Sweet, sweet Abraxas. During the games, Manon does something so out of character for an Iron Tooth witch. She ends up saving the life of the Blue Blood heir, mm -hmm. whose name is Petra. And the Blue Bloods are kind of like a little bit more refine for iron tea yes. a little bit more uh, da -da, i don't know they just seem Re a little refined refined is a good way of putting yeah it. <laughs> little, yeah. yeah and so the air from the yellow legs attacks petra and petra ends up like and petra's mount or no sorry let me rephrase that the air from the yellow legs mount ends up attacking petra's mount and then Petra's mount is like dying and falling and can't like she can't fly anymore. So Petra is on the mount falling to her death. So Abraxas actually kind of likes Petra's mount. They kind of have a friendship. So <laughs> Abraxas like wants to go help. So Manon and Abraxas dive down. They can't save the Wavering, but they are able to get Petra to jump off of her onto Abraxas and end up mm -hmm. saving her life. Mm -hmm. So they say Petra, but unfortunately the mount ends up falling to its death, which is heartbreaking and like just destroys Petra. That. I was shocked by that. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it at all. And oh, you can just see how close the witches get to their beasts because like Petra after that is not the same. No. It kind of just like completely there changes her. There was a her. bond. They have a special bond. And mm -hmm. yeah, she is really affected deeply affected by that so 
<sighs> Menon's grandmother. Every time we mention her grandmother, we're like, yeah, oh, this woman. <laughs> but Menon does end up winning. Winning. Oh, by the way, yeah. <laughs> Before we get to grandma, grandma, it's yeah, important no. to say Menon wins and is crowned wing leader, which is expected. I feel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think we saw that yeah, coming. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but um, she decides to gift Manon like a croaken witch to kill like oh happy freaking present <laughs> like here yeah have this lovely gift so the croaken says of something that's quite impactful to Manon mm-hmm. and uh Manon does kill her but what the croaken says to her makes a deep impression on Manon mm-hmm. so um, the reason the grandmother gifted her the Crokin, too, was because Venon's cloak was kind of getting all ratty, I tattered. guess you want to say, yeah. tattered. And yeah. her cloak was a, a Crokin cloak. cloak. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, so she kills her, takes her cloak, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what the what the witch says to her is that, like, you know, we pity all of you and... We, we pity what you do to your children and like you were made to be this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting. Like they made you into monsters. We, they made you into monsters and we feel sorry for you. And this really sticks with Manon. Mm-hmm. So she's left feeling really uneasy and she, she can't stop thinking about that. Yeah, and by they, she means, like, the Iron Teeth witches. So Mm -hmm. the difference between the two types of witches are Iron Teeth are... So all witches are a mixture of Valg and Fae. Like, that is what their bloodlines are. Mm -hmm. But the Iron Teeth are more Valg. They take after the demonic Valve, whereas the Kraken take after the Fae more so. So they're much... They're kind of like the good witches, (laughs) In a way. And their signature are these bright red cloaks. And so to be an iron tooth with one of those cloaks signifies like you've killed a lot of Kraken witches. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. have like a feud between the two witching clans have feuds. Or not clans, but like the two types of witches have massive feuds over land and very historical. uh, And will come up in later books and stuff. But it's a long history and it's very significant. Speaking of which... Yes, the cloak is very significant. Um, but speaking of their lands, the whole reason that they've allowed themselves to be wrangled into this war is because mm-hmm. they are actually trying to get back to their sort of like homeland. Yes. So which is being cursed. It's been cursed. So the the whole point, the only reason that they are even deigning to be involved in this war mm-hmm. is for that reason there. Otherwise the witches would probably be like, F y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, Right. They normally don't like belittle belittle themselves to the point of interfering in human conflicts. Yeah, like but yeah. They want their lands back and this is a way that they see to getting their lands mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. So Manon ended up taking the coat. She's feeling really uneasy about it. And this is kind of our first glimpse of Man- of Manon changing a little bit. Like we're starting to see her perspective. Like the Iron Teeth witches have this sort of mantra of like brutality and like we, we don't feel like there's three words that kind of represent their 
ethos. And we're starting to see that perhaps Manon doesn't fit those descriptions quite as much as she originally thought she did. Mm -hmm. It's just a slight crack. It's very interesting because she is undoubtedly vicious, Mm -hmm. but there are certain things that are just not jiving with her perfectly as they could or her she's not unfeeling no so it'll be interesting to watch this uh character development Mm -hmm. no i i really like the witch line it's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite like obviously a lynn storyline is my favorite (laughs) but i think that i prefer manon storyline over the rift told storyline probably because it's new and exciting Probably. I actually was so bored by it at first. (laughs) That's so interesting. But then Abraxas started sniffing flowers and I was like... Oh my god, he's so cute! I know! I was just thinking of this vicious wyvern just burying his nose in flowers, Mm. like seriously. (laughs) And then Manon's like, aww. I think in the next book, there's a really, really funny scene. Maybe we'll remember to talk about it. But yeah, um, <laughs> I just love the meme where it's like the book description of Abraxas and it shows like one of the dragons from Throne of or um, from Game of Thrones. It shows Game of Dro- Thrones. Drogon. Yeah. And then it's like what people picture and it shows <laughs> toothless. I know. <laughs> And it's the cutest because that's exactly what I pictured. That's exactly right. Toothless is so cute. I just, <laughs> like hundred percent, I was picturing toothless whenever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this person is in my brain. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Well, I think that is everything for part two of Air of Fire. It is. So thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll be talking about uh, Queen of Shadows. And we hope to see you there. Bye for now. Bye.